You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. The first major event of the NHL offseason is now behind us. The NHL draft is over. Next up is free agency, and there's a reason why this is our favorite time of year. Vardy, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, man. Super excited. Uh, yeah, I'm, good. I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, interesting question that... Um, uh, Jazzy Cohen kind of posed, uh, asking whether the draft is considered the first event of the 1920 season or the mm. last event of the 1819 season. I'm going to go ahead and say it's the first of the 1920 season because at the draft, there's enough activity, whether it be trades, whether it be the draft itself, that's setting up the following season. So I mm-hmm. think that's where I'm at with that because I think the last event of the season is the Stanley Cup final. I agree. I'm and 100% then, with you. And then after that, I think you start thinking about what next season is going to look like. You know, around the around the time of the draft, players are being bought out. Players are thinking about, or teams are thinking about qualifying offers. Things are thinking about who to retain. Thinking about trades they can make at the draft, around the draft. And what do you know? All those things happened, Vardy. <laughs> and Everything that's why it's the I beginning. mentioned happened this past week it's been a good week if you're a hockey fan in terms of just pure entertainment Mm -hmm. and even as a kings fan a lot of activity so i don't think we should delay this any longer where do we begin dion phaneuf bought the hell out that's a good start bought out by the la kings i didn't see it coming because of the cap ramifications Mm -hmm. i think we even discussed this on previous episodes that it might be prudent to wait till next summer to buy him out but the king said to hell with it we can't take this eyesore any longer <laughs> Dion Phaneuf happy trails my friend you're done um any any thoughts Vardy or any idea how Dion Phaneuf will be remembered as a member of the LA Kings um I think Dion will be remembered for the one pass he gave Kopi for that beautiful one-timer goal. And I think Big Art mentioned that in his tweet to us. And I remember that pass. Um, very kind man from everything that I hear. True professional, etc. Real good et cetera. pro. He's a pro's pro. But um, absolute um, pylon the last four or five years. A lot of times kind of a man outside of his era. Because there was a point in time where he was – Probably legitimately like a top five D-man in the NHL for a couple seasons. Would you not agree? There was a time where he was heralded as the next Scott Stevens, some sort of combination of like Ray Bork and Darian Hatcher, all this kind of nonsense being thrown at you. He was on the cover of an NHL game. Yes. That doesn't happen to anyone. I think there was a time where people viewed him as the most prized defenseman in the NHL, not so much the best, but the the defenseman that if you could go out and get today he would be number one because he was so young he was so good and he had so much promise right i wonder now if anyone is going to take a flyer on him i wonder now if it's kind of winding down for dion yeah i i think you know this is this is the part that's funny to me and i'm not sure i still understand it um from a from purely la king's standpoint why they bought him out because to me you could have just as easily buried him in Ontario 
paid him the same thing and not have to necessarily worry about the extending the pain aspect of the contract, if you will, or you buy another year that way and then you buy him out next year for less cap and, you know, effects. Um, the justification, at least softly, that I kind of read a few places was, oh, well, this way it like frees up a roster spot. But it's like you could have done that many different ways. You didn't have to buy him out. So Right. You could have just like straight not made the team. Right. You could have just not played him, pay him his money and not played him. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think some of that, even though they won't outright say it, um, goes to your point that maybe they did it. Because he's such a good guy, because 100%. he's a pro's pro, right? To give him 100%. the opportunity to maybe get a spot somewhere else. But to that effect, I ask you: if you can't make the Los Angeles Kings paper thin defensive core, which team is actually going to want Dion Phaneuf anymore at this point in know. his career? I don't know, but I think you're right about the Kings giving him the opportunity to go pursue other options and the kings saying hey man no matter what happens you're gonna get your money you know i think that's a part of it um i I wouldn't go as far as to say that's the only reason but i think that played a huge role treating the player who's so respectful to everyone with the respect that he shows i think that's um i think that's where we're at with that so i agree with big art i think we made a i remember after the trade we made a big kind of deal about us not thinking it was the greatest move because we do on this show support Marion Gabrick, whose career is done always uh, and forever most likely and and we did kind of mention it, it was we just, understood though we, we understood, understood at we the understood. time why they made that deal and I, I, i'm fully willing to yes. admit that for the 10 or 15 games that we saw enough at the end of last season we were like hey he's not that bad like he can be effective but the wheels fell right off of that wagon this year like right fast there was that one stretch of games that you just spoke of. I think that's what I'll remember. Yeah. About him and and just thinking like, hey man, you know he's not so bad. <laughs> that's that's pretty much. I think that was peak Dion for us. Is like <laughs> that's right. Just not 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 as bad as I thought he would be. So, that's right. No, but so, I hope he lands somewhere. I hope he at least. I think he's destined for some kind of front front office or at least start with scouting. Maybe he's destined to be. A part of some hockey team somewhere. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. Maybe even yeah. coaching. I don't know what his plans are or what his desires are. But guys like that usually end up doing something in hockey. So right. uh, it's maybe it's just the beginning for old Dion. So that's that. Another guy we're going to say goodbye to, Vardy. Brandon Leipzig, who we kind of went back and forth on whether the Kings would or even should retain his services they decide not to i think in this case it was strictly a numbers game mm-hmm. too bad because the effort was there from leipzig certainly the skill left something to be desired but in terms of whistle to whistle effort i don't think anyone questions his desire to be in the nhl and i'm sure he will land somewhere else i would be shocked if he doesn't yeah yeah i think i think he had a really good stretch of games with the kings for the second half of last season and it was because of that effort because of that ability that i think a lot of people were i don't i don't want disappointed is kind of a strong word but just maybe surprised a touch that the kings didn't bring him back but i completely get it because if you're looking at it from the king's front office point of view and you're asking yourself am i really going to bring this guy back in favor of 
you know, giving him minutes instead of giving it to maybe one of our younger guys, like the Grundstrom's of the world, or, or maybe like Anderson Dolan, someone like that, who's just on the cusp of making the team. You really have to ask yourself, are we willing to sacrifice some NHL time we can give someone like that so we can give it to Brendan Leipzig and then pay Brendan Leipzig to maybe three times what you would pay someone like that. Right, right. It's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I get it. I get it. And I think the Kings probably struggled with that a little bit too. Otherwise they would have just told them outright that, Hey man, we're not going to resign you. And we would have known, you know, weeks in advance, but they dragged it until the very last day. And then they didn't tender a qualifying offer to him. Um, that being said, I agree with you. I, I would be, he, I would be surprised if he didn't land with his, I think what's going to be his like fifth NHL team now in his very young career, which is sad because I don't think he's that much of a journeyman. I think he definitely is someone who deserves a, a slightly more permanent spot than that. Happy trails. Brendan Leipzig. Thank you for the memories. That's what is right. your favorite Brendan Leipzig memory, Marty? You know, there's so many. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. yeah. I can't. I don't know. I sincerely don't know. I just remember an overall picture of a guy who just worked hard. Yeah. I think he had a couple of nice passes. There yep. we go. That pretty much covers yeah. it, I think, for him. All right. Yeah. All right. So we're done with, I guess, the Kings portion of this podcast. Well, yeah, we're done with the Kings portion of the of the happy trails component. There's a couple other players who took some few happy trails. Happy trails going on. Let's, shall we go down the five? Actually, to... what I would like to do, Vardy, is, sure, is finish sure. the King stuff first. Okay. And that leads us to the draft. Okay. Uh, we obviously this is our post draft episode. Hmm. Last episode, in our draft preview episode, we were heavy, heavy in on Cole Caulfield. Mm-hmm. I'd like we to were say, coal miners. however, before that, I think we talked a lot about Alex Turcotte. And we talked a lot about how perhaps he would be the guy that the Kings take. And in many ways, we said we would like him to be the guy. This is before the Cole, Cole Caulfield hysteria hit us hard. Um, and it is Alex Turcotte at number five for the Kings. I've heard a lot of comparables, Jonathan Taves, Patrice Bergeron. The idea here is that he's a two-way player, Mm -hmm. heart and soul kind of guy, does Mm -hmm. everything right, plays all three zones, very much an LA Kings type draft pick. Yep. I 100% agree. And I think um, not not that we softened on on him leading up to the draft, but I think there was just so much chatter out there that – the Blackhawks were going to pick him at number three. I had, I had seen so many places that the Blackhawks were, everyone was saying there's all this talk. The Blackhawks want him. He's perfect. He's prototypical. He's going to train, if you will, or grow up under Taves's direction kind of thing. And so that's why I don't think you and I really realistically considered leading up to the draft that that would be someone who would be available for us but then lo and behold the the hawks went and actually took the guy that a lot of people thought was going to be the king's pick and kirby doc and so um yeah the kings are left with a prototypical king's player who hopefully um excels at all ends of the ice as is projected to and instead of you know being being the next in line to Taves, he might be the next in line to Kopi in that two-way center category. Right. And then at 22 of Vardy, we were hoping, we were praying when Cole Caulfield dropped uh, to number 15 
that we were just a few spots away from having an exceptional first round. I was I was begging to whatever hockey <laughs> deity you choose to believe in that the Kings would trade up. At some point, I thought to myself, if he went at 10, there's no way. If he went at 12, maybe. Once it started slipping to around that 15, I was like, really? How much would it take for them to move up from 22 yes, to yes. this spot and get the guy they wanted? Or I, the guy that I wanted for them to get? I mean, realistically, they might have had to give give up their second rounder right? and number 22 to move up. And although we'll talk about who we took in the second round, and it's very exciting. Although we would have never known who we would have taken in the second round, I think it would have been pretty exciting if the Kings kind of rolled the dice there and just said, you know what, we're going to package these two picks and get this kid because we want this kid. But clearly, they didn't want him bad enough. And that's okay. That's okay because at 22, they took a young man by the name of Tobias Bjornfoot Fote. That's not, right. We'll learn this over time. Right? <laughs> we'll learn this over time. I'm just going to call him Toby Barefoot. I like That's it. what's going to happen. Toby Barefoot, six feet, 203 pounds, left-handed defenseman. Um, just from everything I've – just a safe, steady, safe, nothing spectacular, just pretty good at everything kind of guy. I, I, read, I read a lot about him after the fact. There was not the greatest things, to tell you the truth. In fact, I read that, like, a lot of people were like, this guy's going to go to the second round. Like, he's going to slip to the second round. He's not a first-round talent, things like that. He's just one of these guys. He's like the jack of all trades, the king of none. Yeah. That's Toby Barefoot right there in a nutshell. Yeah, and that was the part that really underwhelmed me because in my head I was like, fine, if they're not going to move up, they're not going to take – the call field, the call fields of the world. I was like, they must have someone in mind. They must have someone in mind that they're really, really high on. And there was a lot of names on the board still available around 22. And then Toby barefoot starts strolling up there. And I was like, this is what we're doing with this pick. Like, this is why we held on to this and couldn't move one way or the other for you know it That's, just didn't make a lot of sense to that me. has christian rutu written all over it yeah that i get he he was he even made the pick right uh christian rutu by the way is the european scout for the kings right anytime the kings take a european player i assure you it's because he's slamming his fist on the table saying you got to take him right uh, and he's had a pretty good track record to tell you the truth. i'm not disputing that no, I'm no, not dis- no. and, I, and I, I also get not. it sort not. of from the king's standpoint because i've always felt that every king's team in one way or another they've been striving to have that kind of maddie nordstrom's person you know the defensive stalwart if you will you know after nordstrom they got a guy like matt green after green i don't know who has been that guy that they've been able to just be like probably Chernak, who they traded, right, or, or Scuderi, <laughs> someone like that. You know yeah. what I mean? I think I think that's what they were going for. And if you remember, I texted you just before, like I don't know, after Caulfield went around fifteen, sixteen. I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if they go defense with this next pick. Which and they was, went yes, yes. And they went all defense, like they I, went as defensively defensive as you I could. think we saw that coming though, right? Yeah. Like. Not only – I know you said I wouldn't be surprised, but I think we knew deep down that when you get a Turcotte at five, they're probably going to go D because just 
that's the Kings, man. It's no problem. Yeah. They have needs. And we talked about this last episode is like, you need, yeah, they have needs everywhere. Yeah. They can't just pinpoint and be like, no, this is what we need to get. This sure. Is our, sure. So that's fine. Um, there's not a whole lot I could say about him. I hope he develops. There's no problem with having a smooth and steady defenseman who you never notice. Yeah. Good or bad. He's just doing his job. Fine. Right. I hope Those he develops. Those guys get paid too, right? Those and, guys are, and are they high help value. You win. That's, yeah. that's the bottom line is they help yeah. you win. You need guys like that. Every defensive core that's successful has guys like that. Um, so if he could top out as like a Jay Bowmeister kind of just smooth and steady and just no mistakes nothing spectacular fine good yeah. we'll take it we're much more excited about pick number 33 so i gotta tell you when that first round ended i was just like all right a lot of things can happen now a lot of things can happen on saturday morning and they went and they totally redeemed themselves i mean in my mind dude arthur kaliev six to one ninety an offensive machine okay not not a cole caulfield like devastating scorer however a guy who just loves scoring goals he was projected to go in the top 15 minimum Mm -hmm. some people had him in the top 15 a lot of people had him in top yes he he dropped over time but the for him to drop to 33 is pretty crazy the tag on him he is a lazy player he's a lazy player that's what it comes down to um he's dynamic as hell man that's the thing his coach for the hamilton bulldogs vince lace i think i I hope i'm not butchering that name said of him that he's as good a player as dylan strome or alex deprincat different styles but just as talented just as good obviously one of those guys still hasn't really made it the way he's wanted to, but right. Dylan Strom was a top five pick all day, every right. day. Man, he's exciting. He's the type of pick that we were pushing the Kings to make with Caulfield. Absolutely. They make it at 33 at least. Um, and by all indications, everything you read, man, the Kings might have stolen a player here. And I'll be very honest with you. When it got to that pick, there was still a, a big part of me that was like, they're not going to pick him. He's just not a Kings pick. Historically speaking, this is not the type of guy – that the Kings go after. They don't go for the sexy, you know, guy who likes to shoot more than pass, which by all accounts is not totally him. He's yes. He scored 50 plus goals, but apparently he, he can make some plays too when he wants to, but I was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly surprised when they actually said, you know what? We're not going to be the team that lets this guy fall one more spot. And they went for it. And I'm really happy that they did. This is the type of pick that makes me happy during drafts because if it doesn't work out, no one can blame you. You pick the guy who fell 10 spots, 10, at least 10 spots into your lap. And you pick the guy that not only probably was the best available player at that point, but fits a a big need for your team going forward. Yeah. And that um, gets me really happy. Jules from the crown did a nice write up about all the Kings draft picks. And I like this, this one line that he wrote. His shot and elite ice vision make him an utter weapon on the power play where he can run a unit and tear apart defenses. I love weapons. <laughs> weapons are the best. That's what you want to hear. That's what Did you, you watch his highlight video, by the way? They had like a three-minute highlight video of, his, of all his 50 goals. It was just like 25 of them are off-wing one-timers. But from a weird position, not top of the circle either. He likes to shoot 
kind of just below the face-off dot at kind of a, a tough angle, actually. But, man, there, there's at least 15 goals that he scored from there. Below the face-off dot, one-timer shots. It's a very interesting angle. You don't. I, I haven't seen anyone who, like, actually prefers to stand in that spot. The What I have seen, yes, I did see his blistering one-timers. But, man, does he have a pair of hands on him? Mm-hmm. He can... And he's such he's a, kind of this bulky, weird body right. type too. He's right. such a unique looking player. He looks like he's not supposed to be good. <laughs> you know what's interesting is he he when they asked him who he compares himself to, he said Rick Nash, which I don't right. know how many players actually say that they compare themselves to Rick Nash. And I don't know how many players how many people remember seeing Rick Nash in his prime. In his prime. The dude was a juggernaut, man. He, he was, was this huge guy who could skate and would just power forward the game, but he also had some mitts on him. And, I mean, that's why he went number one overall when he did. That's why he he, got, he won a rocket Richard. So if Kaliev is anywhere near that kind of player, I'm, I am I think we're all going to be really happy. And when, I heard the, uh, when I heard the comparable, like, I had to laugh because – a big knock on Nash as his career progressed right. was his lack of effort. Right. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. It was so perfect in so many ways. At least he's introspective, right? Like he's not going right. to lie to you. <laughs> right. He's but, not gonna... but I I do like the fact that this is this is a non traditional pick in so many ways. Right. He's he, again. I I encourage you guys to watch as much footage of him as you can because he looks like he's not even trying. Mm-hmm. But he has 50 goals in the OHL, right. so it's it's right. one of these interesting cats. And you do wonder how much of that is like perception, right? He looks like he's not trying, and so people are like, he's not trying. But and then at the end, and then you look at it, and he's got well, he's got 50 goals. Well, you can't get 50 goals if you don't try. But that's like again, I don't, I don't want to harp on this too much, but that's been like a familiar knock on ultra talented players right. like Alex Kovalev, and I don't want ever want to. I would never want to compare anyone to Alex Kovalev because when you're talking about individual skill, this, Alex Kovalev might be a top five player of all time. When you're Easily. talking about straight up skill, there are few that can match the straight up skill of Alex Kovalev. His problems <laughs> began right. when things like teamwork and effort <laughs> came into play. <laughs> so, like again, you can't deny a, a person's skill. And I think the new age player, I don't think they're going to have those Kovalev-like issues. At mm-hmm. worst, he's going to be like, oh, he's going to leave a little to be desired in terms of effort. I could deal with that, man. We said this about Cole Caulfield. Give me someone who's just a nasty talent. Right. And this is, I think, after Caulfield uh, and a few others, maybe, he's probably one of the more straight-up talented players in the draft. I, I would say overall people were saying that he has the second best shot behind Caulfield right. in the draft. Right. And that's okay by me. And so we're happy <laughs> with the we, draft overall. Yeah. But a big reason why I think is because Kalia fell to 33. I mean, look, Alex Turcott is nothing to sneeze at. He's going to be a good player. I have no right. doubt in my mind. But he is not – from a fan perspective, he's not the player that's going to get you off your seat and just – excite you and like there's so few players and i'm going to pose this question to you vardy because this is this is kind of i'm interested in it truly how many players are there in the nhl that are worth the price of admission because unlike the nba these guys play for a very finite amount of time right Um, a third of the game at best right so you're when you say 
you're paying to see a player you mm-hmm. have to realize you have to watch a whole lot of other players before you yeah. can so truly like and i think this might be an issue with hockey in terms of marketing how many players would you truly be willing to pay to go see off the top of your head ovechkin Ovi's mcdavid one. yes patty kane patty kane Honestly, on you maybe it's a stretch here, but Johnny Goudreau. Mm-hmm. When I watch Johnny Goudreau play hockey, man, that is that is fun to watch. Um, Let me tell you something funny about what you're saying, and I agree with you. Sidney Crosby is not the first name that comes no, to mind. No, 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 and he, and he's arguably the best in the game, or has been for no the last. No question. But that's the interesting part because he wasn't on number one or even number four on my list either because he's right. not the bring you out of your seat player consistently he right. believe me he does some amazing things out there but they're subtle they're you, subtle like amazing unexpected things, yes in a way if, if that can be said about a guy who's like a perennial heart trophy candidate that right. it's subtle and unexpected right so but yeah it's not many that that's the funny thing so that's what we mean by excitement like that that boom or bust kind of potential with this player right and I'll put it to you this way. They could have taken him at 22, and I think we still would have been happy. But I think it adds just a little bit of sweetener to it when he drops to you in the second round, when when they maybe had the chance to take him to 22 and they thought that was too much of a risk, and then he, they were able to wait 11 picks and still get him. I think that that makes it just a little bit sweeter. I agree. And again, we're not expecting him to even come close to the names we just mentioned. We're not being crazy no, no, about no, no, this. No, 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 no. But we are seeing that it's exciting when you draft a player that has the potential to make you want to go to a game and be like, Correct. let's let's watch this guy just do his thing for the short amount of time uh, yeah. that he can do it. So good. Happy with the draft after that. And that leads us to part two, phase two, free agency. Not expecting a whole lot from the boys in silver and black. Maybe, nope. maybe – um lower tier stuff maybe i don't even know i don't even think so uh i think the roster should be pretty much very similar to what you saw yeah, it was weird. I, I think i saw dennis bernstein throw a tweet out today that the kings might be interested in ben hutton and i was like okay okay i guess like all right cool um i'm again i'm okay with with them going into it with a mindset of let's see what we've got We've got all these guys knocking on the door, trying to get in, trying to play. We know it's not – we're not making crazy expectations about making the playoffs or winning the cup this season. But let's see what we've got because at some point we have to give these players a chance to prove themselves at the pro level. And again, Todd McClellan in his history has been someone who's been successful in integrating um, younger players into his teams. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having a season that's more or less uh, a wash or like, let's just throw it out there and see what happens kind of thing. Right. Because I think maybe the expectations are one of the problems that the, the Kings teams for the last couple of years have had that they've weighed heavily on them. And maybe if you just don't have any expectations and you just go out there and you're just going to see what you've got, you might get a different product. Agreed. Um, not expecting much in free agency. However, around the NHL, it's always fun. Things happen. GMs lose their mind. <laughs> and we saw a little bit of interesting movement already. A couple of trades happened at or around the draft. Number one, got to talk about Pernell Carl Subban and his 
now unbelievably third team in the NHL. Isn't that nuts? The New Jersey Devils. I guess Nashville felt that in order to land a forward, probably Matt Duchesne, right. they had to move a defenseman. $9 million goes off the cap. Nothing retained. New Jersey now has a true number one defenseman, I think. I guess it depends on who you ask. Mm. PK, um, to his credit, excited about going to New Jersey. Should be. Taylor Hall's a pretty good player. And just like that, New Jersey looking pretty decent. Right? Just like that. Right? You land yourself one Jack Hughes. You land yourself a Taylor Hall in a now historically lopsided trade. You get yourself a PK Subban because you have the room. Nico Heischer all of a sudden is fourth billing in terms of, you know, guys on your roster. Yeah. You got a completely different team there. Kyle Palmieri still somehow scoring 20-plus goals a year, baffling, as always. Now, Um, goaltending, obviously, is still a bit of a question mark. Yes. Uh, And by that, I mean a giant one. But we'll see, man. We'll see. New Jersey doing things. No, they're... They have to be better next. I don't no think question. No question about it. I mean, they were. <laughs> they're not going to win the lottery again. I hope not. Um, but yeah, uh, the other one, of course, is Patrick Marlowe mm-hmm. and his trade from the Toronto Maple Leafs, who were desperate to get that contract off the books. Marlowe traded to Carolina, who immediately bought him out, <laughs> basically. <laughs> They waited two days. They waited two days, but, I mean, with the intention of buying him out, that was the deal. They got a first-rounder out of it. Hey, man, you do what you got to do. And now, all of a sudden, by the way, Toronto, no first-round picks this season, no first-round picks next season. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. It is fine, except for the fact that now you're going to have a ton of guys under big contracts, and you better hope that everyone performs. I mean, can you – defense is an issue. Let's, it's, all, it's always right. been an issue. Obviously, your offense is as potent as potent can be in the National Hockey League. Defense is an issue, so they got some work there. But, I mean, look, man, they've built as good a team as they could have, I suppose. I mean, it, you know, it, Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin as your top defenseman, does that, you know, strike fear into the heart of every <laughs> offense? I highly doubt it. Now you got to build around that, so it'll be well, for interesting. one more season, and then Muzzin's up for a contract renewal too. Yes, um, so it'll be interesting to see. They, they do need to shore up the D a little bit, but I think this is their window. So I understand. I understand giving up those first rounders. You yeah. can't. You can't build a better offense than they've built. For Christ's sake! I mean, definitely not. <laughs> there's no holes in that offense, yeah, top to definitely bottom. Definitely not. Uh, first to the twelfth guy is just looks good. So yeah. Maybe they flip one of those guys for a defenseman. See, that's what I'm thinking, though. At some point, something's got to give. I, it has I to think be Nylander, man. Yeah. I think it has to be Nylander. Yeah. It, at least from my perspective. Or maybe Kapanen. But I don't – I mean, it's not going to get you the same exactly. cap space as Nylander move would. Exactly. And if you're going to take on a good defenseman, you got to give up a lot of salary. Right. Um, surprised they didn't try to throw something at the Predators for PK tell you the truth yeah you know it's interesting when you think about that trade i'm like it's kind of surprising that no other team really went for it beat that offer right straight straight up i mean i guess eating the entire cap hit is is one thing maybe no one really wanted to do that it has to be because the return was brutal 
Right. I'm sorry. Like for a player, listen, I know he has his things, right? I know he has dis- a distracting personality, I suppose, but Steven Santini, Jeremy Davies, and two seconds? It's nothing. Come on. It's now? nothing. It's peanuts. Come on. Yeah. No, it, it, it just, I don't know. I, it, truthfully, to me, I think a guy with that kind of personality, I've never heard, here's the thing, I've never heard anyone say that he's a cancer in the locker room or that he's a distraction in the locker room or that he's a bad teammate. All I ever hear is that he's so loud, he's boisterous, he's he's got a personality. It's like, the is thing, that really such a bad thing? The is thing that is, really no, such one's, a- no one's straight out said it, but I think people have cryptically said things. And I don't know, maybe if this is a hockey thing or what, but I, I have heard and read about locker rooms not liking Subban, about executives not liking Subban, about him always making it about it. Again, this is all just hearsay. I get that. Um, but no one's directly said it, but I have, I think, heard indirect little shots taken at him. And again, I'm not saying, especially with Montreal, like, right. take that with that's, a grain of salt. That's just, a bad, that's just yeah. a bad situation for him. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think truthfully, Nashville, if it wasn't for the fact that they're going hard for Duchesne and didn't have four other guys who are solid defensemen, I don't think they would be in such a hurry to to move him. Probably. Probably. Right. But you have the ability to do so because you have Ekholm and and Yossi. You're doing fine. Nashville has traditionally had a really good defense. But it's just I don't know. I think I think a lot of that's overblown in a way. But we'll see. Man, you talk about offenses. If if Nashville adds Duchesne, they have no excuse. Yeah. Like, that's, Kyle Turris is your third-line center. At how that loaded can one team be Yeah, down the middle and on the wings? And, man, they, they're a good-looking squad. They'll probably be one of the favorites again, but I don't know. We'll see how Pecorine holds up. Always might, a question. Uh, might be Soros time. Yeah. Well, that's all right. You just ease him in, man. He's been two, three seasons now. You know, UC's just knocking on the door. So that's all good. So uh, now can we travel down the five and discuss one Corey Perry? Corey Perry. Ye of former Mighty Ducks fame. You want to talk about a situation where the Mighty take a hard fall oh boy that's this is a former heart trophy winner i had forgotten about that you're right that happened that, that, <laughs> that did happened, happen man he he's had a dismal couple of seasons i have no argument with that he won the yeah. he won the heart in 2011 by the way that's right and that's the richard right. um he, he's bought out by the anaheim ducks in what I will say is a very surprising move. There is yeah. no other way. To, I wasn't to say shocking would be not fair, but extremely surprising. He had a very rough season in terms of injuries. He only played 31 games. He put up 10 points. He had six goals, but the prior two seasons he has had for his standards, very, very disappointing, uh, Point totals, goal totals, season in general. In 15-16, he had 62 points, 34 goals. The next season, 16-17, he drops to 19 goals, but he still puts up 53 points. 17-18, mm-hmm. the goal total drops to 17. He has 49 points. 
And then, of course, I guess the final nail in the coffin was that injured right. and unproductive season last season. And he's done just like that. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting, right? I mean, father time claims us all, I suppose. And um, and I have to take a look and see just exactly how terrible his contract must have been for them to feel like they had to buy him out. But well, I, I'm I put pretty this sure it was $10 million plus yeah so i don't know the length that i don't know what was remaining on it we'll check that out right now as we talk about Corey perry um, right but the interesting thing to me again and i put this up there but three years ago if you were to look at guys that were ripe for getting bought out of their contract and not having a team to play on dustin brown was on D everyone's brown. mind yeah and so, now can you imagine this Kings team without Dustin Brown on it? I mean, I can because we were I mean, almost last. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but but I'm just saying, like, we'd be laster. Uh, we would be laster. That's true. Eight point six is there Corey Perry's is. contract. I was wrong. It was not Jeez. ten. Uh, not sure why I went to ten. Jeez. It is a rough contract. It, it was going to extend for two more seasons. Man, was it? I guess they think. They can get someone? I get I, it. It's a massive bite out of your cap. But two more years, his buyout is going to cost nah, – it's not bad. I mean, look, the buyout's going to cost 2.6 this season on the cap, 6.6 next season. Word. And then $2 million for the next two – I take it back. I don't like this buyout at all. <laughs> Why would – that's tough, I'm, man. I mean, you save a lot this season. Right, but for but, what? But where are you going to go this season? Yeah, As a team, is... would you... Maybe they, they feel they have a shot at it? A shot at what, man? Uh, very, yeah, it's very confusing. Because the next season... I mean, they have the benefit right now. They have the benefit right now of, of having a couple guys who are on sweetheart deals. I'm, I'm surprised that Ryan Kessler is not the one they buy out. Or is there a plan to LTIR Ryan Kessler? That's, I mean... Well, Kessler's still productive. Kessler hasn't... Oh, sorry, Kessler's sorry. I confused him with Getzlaff. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Getzlaff, I get. Kessler's yes, like, Kessler. Kessler, of course. I mean, or even... I mean, just... It, it's crazy to They're going to LTIR Kessler. There's no that's, doubt that's about it. That's my... There has, it has to be, to right? Be. Like, there has to be that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely Kessler, not Getzlaff. I don't know why you had that brain fart moment there. Because they are not buying out. No. Ryan Getzlaff, who's still a pretty good center in the NHL. Right. It's just, man, they have five defensemen under contract. <laughs> what is, I I guess I just really haven't paid attention to the Ducks, really, yeah. which is whatever. That's fine. But, yeah, next year, their cap hit's already 64 mil. Yes. And, and I think they'd have to sign a couple of ELC guys. Um, Troy Terry is the only one actually that I see. Yeah, really. I mean, that I guess. Well, I mean, I'm uh, sure Corbinian they've done the math. Are probably the, if they want to keep. Yeah, them, I mean, I think they've done the math. They realize that they, they're they're okay. Yeah, and then things get tighter for them in 21, 22. But at that point, Perry's cap hit drops to two million. So maybe that's why they did it this year. Yeah, probably. Just take the hit next year, really, and then the two million really is just nothing. But. Um, Man, that's interesting. They've they've all of a sudden got a roster of you know two or three good players. Getzlaff, Ricard, Raquel. Well, 
Daniel Sprong is up in 2021 too. Right. I so mean, he's going he's gonna to want some money. Right. It's a very weird roster, man. It's a very, very weird roster for them. Yeah. I mean, they've got a great talent pool with guys like Sam Steele and, and, and whatnot coming up, but it's, they're definitely a team in transition right now. Oh, for sure. For sure. But they have, again, the problem for them is going to be there in year uh, three of this buyout. They're not going to have a true go-to guy because I don't think Ricard Raquel is that guy. I think Ricard Raquel is like a nice complimentary type piece, a secondary sure. option. Because um, Getzlaff's up in 21-22. Right. He's probably going to resign, but for like a year at a time. I mean, 36 at that yeah, point, so man. He's going to draw Thornton it up like a year at yeah. a time till he's ready to go. I don't think right. I don't think Silverberg has lived up to his potential. Silver, I'm, you know, everyone was really quite surprised when Silverberg resigned there. His name kept coming up over and over and over again in terms of a trade bait. Really, like he's he's a twenty twenty five goal scorer at best. Yeah, he's not going to be your your dude. No, and Andre Kasha is a good player, but again, is he is he the guy that's going to take you there? Right. Um, Hampus Lindholm. Being- for all the stuff I've heard about Hampus Lindholm, and right. I have heard so much about him, I am yet to be truly impressed by anything Hampus Lindholm does. He's twenty five years old now. He mm-hmm. is no longer the guy that you're like. Well, just you wait. Hampus is gonna. Yeah, he is. He is Hampus what he is. <laughs> he is what he is. Like they talk about this guy like he's the next goddamn Ray Bork. Right. And it's just he's, I just haven't seen. Is he even like a top fifteen defenseman in the league? I don't know. That's, in your mind, like I can't definitely say yes. <laughs> then that's a problem. Yeah. So basically, they got John Gibson. Cool. Which who? Yeah. Which is great for them. He's they signed him forever. They have him and Cam Fowler forever. So <laughs> that's another guy. Cam Fowler is like, yeah. I'm still waiting. He's now 27. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So Cam Fowler is what he is now. But and, let's give him six and a half million and a non-trade clause. And to be clear, this years. is not a Ducks. You know, we don't like the Ducks stuff. We don't do that. We like hockey. We like the NHL. Yeah, I'll say this about any team. I'll say this about the Kings if they do dumb things. In fact, if you listen back, you'll find a lot of Most of the time, we're talking about the Kings doing dumb things. Here's another guy who I cannot for the life of me understand why people like Josh Manson. (laughs) What? Am I blind? (laughs) This guy is just the most average player. And everyone's talking like, oh, Josh Manson, man, you know. He's tough. He's gritty. He, he's not good. I think I've said this before. He's not good. He makes must. He makes a ton of mistakes. He throws the puck all over the place. Yeah, he's he's pretty vicious, but that's it. So I don't. Anyway. Yeah. Weird. I get you. I get you. Weird. In terms of like, who's the guy on the Ducks? To me, it still gets laughed. Of course, because there's old no man, one else. Old man gets laugh is still the guy. Ricard Raquel, supremely talented guy, but I agree with you. He's not going to, you know, it's interesting. Not that Corey Perry was the player who he was before, but um, lots of transitions going on with the Ducks. And they have a new head coach now, obviously. Yes. Because uh, Randy Carlisle, again, yep. back into his coffin Dallas or wherever Aikens he is in terms of coaching stance. But yeah, interesting things. Another man who I'm sad to see uh, go, Roberto Luongo, oh, yeah. hanging him up. Strong, Strong bone. bone, baby. What a 
what a turnaround on this guy's reputation. Do you remember around the time when the Canucks uh, blew the Stanley Cup final for the second mm-hmm. time? Mm-hmm. Um, around that time, there was a lot of negative press around Luongo. There was a lot of like, because you remember he made that comment. He made a stupid comment in the Stanley Cup final presser where the Canucks scored on a goal and Thomas made a mistake. Tim Thomas, I'm talking about, made some kind yeah. of anyway. And is they, this the pumping the tires comment? That one? What am I this thinking is, of? This is what kind of triggered that. Luongo basically said, like, I make I make that save ten times out of ten. So, mm. Like this arrogant kind of throwaway comment. And this was a time where we didn't really know his personality that much. Yeah. Man, since then, he has been one of the most beloved players in the NH. It's crazy, right? Once a guy just kind of lets loose and lets you in on who he really is. And it all started, I remember when the Canucks were trying to move his contract and he straight out told the media, my contract sucks. That's why they can't move me. Right. And from then on, (laughs) I have And then Twitter came around and Strombone. But dude, he's going in the hall of fame. He's going to be first ballot. Yeah. He is what fourth all time in wins, Mm -hmm. which is bonkers. That is bonkers. You look at those names. Um, that's on the top five. It's crazy. It's it's a it's the elite of the elite. Is he fourth or was he? Th- is I think he third, third now. Man. I could be wrong. Yeah. No, I think it's Brodeur, Wah, him, Belfour, and Cujo. Okay, so he's third. Which is crazy. Which is crazy if you think about that. Because he had some seasons in Florida where he put up safe percentages at like ninety three percent and walked away with twenty five wins on the right. season and thirty right. losses. Like. So, so he just passed Ed Bell for this past season. Yeah, he's five wins up on him. Um, he was not far from Patrick Wall. <laughs> I gotta tell you, he was not that far. Did you um, think about the teams that Patrick Wall and Marty Brodeur played oh, on to get yeah. those five hundred wins? Yeah, right. Think about some of the teams that Roberto Luongo had to struggle with in his career. Couple well, years with the, the Islanders, lots yeah. of years with the Panthers. He had a few good ones with Vancouver, which helped prop up the numbers, no question. But come yeah, on, man! No, he's he's been he's been a picture of longevity, and it, it, it's upsetting that he couldn't just push it a little farther. Uh, he's played actually more games than anyone in the top five. Or sorry, not more than Brodeur. I take that back. Other than Brodeur. You look down the list of, of goalies who are the winningest goalies in NHL history. He's he has more games than Wa, Belfort, Joseph, Lundqvist, Terry Sachuk, Jacques Plante, all these guys. Uh, so he has had a long career. So in that respect, I'm happy he got to do that. It sucks when you read his farewell letter. He talks about how his body's just like failing right. him, giving up on. It. It's always tough to hear that. Um, but yeah, he's he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, no question about it. Yeah. But I, I also enjoy that type of insight from athletes because, you know, a lot of them say your body's failing on you and, and everyone kind of can understand that. But some of the details he went into that, like, he was showing up two hours before every game, staying one hour afterwards, doing everything he could. Yes. And it was just, you know, the idea of potentially having to come in and do that again for another year or another summer prepping for that was just just too much. Yeah. Really, it was just too much like that. and. And, you know, he's again, like you said, I think he's just a really, really good guy, all things considered. And and um, it's going to be sad to to not think of him in the league. But 
clearly his personality and his presence is such that he will be involved in hockey, just like Fanouf, I think, and obviously in a Correct. different capacity. But like one of those guys that you just know isn't going isn't to step away from the game for very long. Yeah, I can see him being a goaltending coach and a damn good one at that. Yeah. Um, so happy trails one more time. Roberto Luongo, good guy, good player, Hall of Famer. Yeah. So let's let's kind of move on to we talk about all these players leaving. Now now let's talk about a couple of players staying. And I got okay. we, we got to start off with William Carlson mm-hmm. staying with the oh, very contract. tight to the cap Vegas Golden Knights, right. which in and of itself is pretty amazing if you think about it. It took them two seasons <laughs> to basically be like we're all in, baby. <laughs> like, we're going I mean, for such it is, every year. Such is life in the NHL when you make the cup final your first year, man. That's right. Heavy heavy is the head. You got to you gotta keep doing things to stay in that race. And um, before you know it, you're doling out $9.5 to Mark Stone. Yeah, and uh, you're somehow convincing William Carlson to take $5.9 over eight years. A baffling contract. Good for Vegas, man. I have nothing but respect for george mcphee yeah um he look for the team for the organization outstanding but i gotta say william carlson what are you thinking buddy what you you need to fire your agent tonight call him fire him because 5.9 in a system where the cap is growing 5.9 after a season where you put up 43 goals uh, well, not directly after, but you have that on your recent right. resume. Right. For you to settle with five point, look, he's happy. I'm sure. Great, he wanted to stay, but, dude, you could have leveraged <laughs> something here. Yeah, and and a lot of people are pointing out that you know, Vegas uh, is in a tax free state. Five point nine in Vegas is the same as eight, and to that I say, well. How do you, as the number one center of this team, sit across the stall from Mark Stone making nine point five million in the same state as you, Max Pacioretty making seven million, Paul Stasny making six and a half million, all these guys brought on via trade and then re-signed by your team, or brought on as a UFA and signed by your team for more than you, the guy who was basically their star player the first season out, who carried them your first season in I don't I don't understand I don't understand I can I can I respect that you might like a team that much and that you know you, you're hoping to win a cup with them and everything I get that but realize that from an athlete your career earnings potential kind of standpoint you cap you, yourself bro you 100% Hundred percent. He's twenty six years old, and he signed for eight years. You, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get another deal in your lifetime that's gonna make you the same amount of money potentially. And you probably left two million on the table per year. Oh yeah. You left at least sixteen million dollars in my mind there, on the table. There is no way a team like Colorado doesn't throw eight million dollars at him. Right. No right. way. My point is there's there's no way that a team like Vegas shouldn't be throwing eight million at him. He should be making eight million dollars for the Vegas Golden Knights tax free and making more money than Max Pacioretty and Paul Stasny. And yet he's not. So 
that's that's fine. That's a player. Dis- and, and one thing we've always said on the podcast about players: go get your money. Absolutely. Uh, I have no sympathy for teams. I have no sympathy for ownership, and that includes the Kings. I right. really. And I if- mean, I I love the Kings. I hope I I hope they assign every player to four million as a fan. But at the same time, I care very much about at where the athlete lands in his short time financially. Yeah, because this is it. This is it. You have 10 to 15 good years of a career if you're lucky. And when you have a season like he did, you have to capitalize on it, in my mind. Yeah, and for all we know, his agent was probably like, what are you doing, buddy? Yeah, it's possible. (laughs) It's very possible. And maybe he, again, young guy, never really had that much success in his game. He's happy to even get any kind of raise whatsoever. I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm saying is— This is a small thing, but I am shocked he didn't have get a no-move clause. This is the other thing. He has a limited (laughs) no-move. Yeah, a modified MTC. Right. He has no trade. It's a a 10-team no-trade—just 10. Crazy. He can still be moved to 20 freaking teams. It's nuts. It's nuts. To me, if you're giving up if you're giving up money because of term, because you love to be there that much, should you not also expect the security from that team that they're not just going to be able to dump you off at any point? They basically just signed you to the, an imminently tradable contract as long as you just keep playing at the same level as you're playing right now. Right. Crazy, man. Crazy, crazy and mind stuff. you, now Vegas has already started moving people along. They just well, moved Eric Halla to to Carolina. They have to, even with right. even with this huge savings on Carlson. Yeah. Even with the move of Halla, they are still five million over the salary right. cap. Right. Ooh. And and McPhee has come out and said that you know the Halla trade is the first of many. There's more coming. It has to outright. And he said it. So you look at guys like Colin Miller, yeah. Ryan Reeves, Time Cody Eakin, and that those are going to hurt. Eakin especially, I think. Miller too. Miller has been playing well for them. Certainly he's not setting the world on fire or anything. But at 3.8, I think that's around what he's been providing. Um, I think they're going to let Derek Englund walk, obviously. He's 37. Sure. But again, he is a big part of like, oh, I live in Vegas. But I guess that that was just necessary for the first season to get yeah. everyone on board. But they yeah, man, they got to get rid of some guys. They need to sign Nikita Gusev ASAP. Right. And that's the other thing. They're not it, it really it's it's not sounding like it's foolproof that they're going to be able to re-sign him. No, because they got they got a lot of work to do. They really do. I mean, there's other players too like they have to make the, is Brandon Peary gone? Is that a guy like right. you're done with? And they very well could be. I mean, I don't think he you know exactly earned a contract or anything like that but he had he played 31 games he had 12 goals and that's 12 goals that's going to slip out of your lineup right so it's they're in a they're in a bit of a tough spot but i guess it's a good problem to have i don't even know (laughs) and listen mark andre Fleury is 34 and he signed for 7 million until 22 23 so or twenty one, twenty two. I should say that's his last season. Right. So you're gonna have to. And who's uh, and who's just, backing him up this year? Is it gonna be Oscar Dansk? Who's it gonna be? Because well, Malcolm Subban's an RFA he's still. He's an RFA. They're, I think they're gonna sign him. Right. <laughs> Great. I don't know. David Clarkson still <laughs> on the still books. Still looming large. Vegas. 
and Anaheim are an interesting predicaments, very different ones, but interesting mm-hmm. predicaments. San Jose is too, man. San Jose might have to walk away from Joe Pavelski. In fact, San Jose now might be in a position where they're more likely to bring back Patrick Marlowe than they are Joe Pavelski. Nuts. Nuts. Just, uh, but they do have, let's see, what do they have? They have $14 million in cap space right now. Who's that now? San, San Jose? Jose. But they have a ton of, oh my lord. It's a lot of, lot of UFAs, ain't it? Timo Myers and RFA. Gustav Nyquist, unrestricted. Jump. They're going to lose Donskoy. I'm pretty sure they're going to lose Donskoy. They Donskoy. have to sign Jonas Donskoy. He's a UFA, man. I get it, but Kevin this, LeBanc's an RFA, and he's well, This been is what happens when you got to well. pay Eric Carlson $11.5 million for eight years. Oh, this man, is... they are in. So, Donskoy, Pavelski, Thornton, Nyquist, Timo Meyer. And then Melko, Melker Carlson's coming up. I don't think that's a big deal next year. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, their D's fine. They're, they're top three that, signed forever. I'll be honest with you, man. That If they don't bring back Pavelski, don't underestimate how much Pavelski adds to that team. Oh, no, but, dude, that's not even a question. I don't think anyone can can even begin to – he's had 38 goals last year at 30, yeah, 34 years saying. old. He's he's a vital part of that team. He's their captain. He's their guy. He's, he's their guy. Right. So if you figure Joe Pavelski at least seven million, six seven million, does that seem reasonable? Easily. Easily. Right. Easily. So say he takes a hometown discount and stays for seven million. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, that's... then you have seven million dollars to resign all those guys and field an actual lineup. It's look, Logan Couture is a good player, but if he's making eight million, Joel Pavelski can roll in there and be like, Yeah, okay, easily. Come on now, yeah. And there's he's been meeting with Dallas, he's been meeting with Tampa Bay, apparently, which I don't even understand how that's possible, but actually, I do now because Brian Callahan's on LTIR. So, interesting things, man. Interesting things. So, when you look up and down at the Pacific, not that I'm not that I think the Kings are going to be better than any of these teams, but it gives me a little bit of happiness to know that the Kings are in a position where they can just be like, we're good. We're okay with, with how things are. We're going to see it play out and we'll decide who we're going to keep, who we're going to move. Now, I think we're all not surprised necessarily, but you know, maybe we're hoping there would be some movement with regards to Jeff Carter. Maybe Jonathan quick would end up moving and there's still a possibility that could happen, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't change anything at the moment. It really doesn't matter. The Kings have 13 million in cap space. They have really, they're going to sign Kemp baby. They're going to sign. I follow. That's it. Yeah. I think, I think they're just going to be like, cool. Moving on. Yep. Yeah. So who do you, may I ask? Obviously this is quite early in the season, but you're looking at the Kings roster right now. You're looking at where there are potential holes in terms of our contract pool, which are, I'm sorry, our uh, prospect pool, which is actually looking suddenly quite nice within two seasons time. Crazy how that hurt happens. It, huh? Isn't that fast? It's one Jake Muzzin and two draft picks. So it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. All of a sudden, if you look at it, the Kings legitimately have 10 or 12 guys who could be NHL players within the next two years. I'm not even exaggerating that. Yeah. The ones that you really – the one question mark in my mind is Gabe Velarde. That's purely a health one. scenario. If Gabe Velarde actually manages to get healthy enough, boy, oh, boy, does that accelerate things. 
and you're talking about like 10 or 12 guys that are considered well first of all they were taking jordan spence for example right he was taken way late if, I, if right. i'm not mistaken and glowing reviews like from everybody saying the kings might have stolen another one akil thomas had the same kind of vibes to him when he was drafted obviously kale clegg is right on the cusp sean dersey i've heard nothing mm-hmm. but outstanding things about uh jared anderson dolan we know carl gunstrom we saw and they're not even the top prospects in the organization no because the turcott velardi kaliev now kupari we haven't seen those are right. considered the top top guys so right. it's crazy man like just like that and we said this damn it we said it that rebuilding <laughs> is not hard Right. If you know, if you have just a little bit of focus, it's not hard. Right. What's hard is competing every year and and drafting players like the Kopitars and the Dowdies for the long term. That's the right. hard part. Right. Any schmo can rebuild a team. You can just blow anyone can just blow it up. The hard part is finding the good balance. And I think with just like that, the Kings are at least on their way to yeah to finding some kind of balance with the veterans and the youngsters. Yeah. Never never doubt. At least in the last decade, do not doubt the Kings' ability to draft good players because they can find those guys if they're given the proper picks to do so. And they have been able to. And they've made a good trade. I think history is going to show that that Muzzin trade is going to work out really well for the Kings. And now all of a sudden you're looking at this. But back to my original question, yeah. who do you think amongst that pool of prospects makes the big club? That's really hard for me to say, but I will try. Okay. Um, obviously, Grundstrom's going to make the team. I think, I think that goes, that's a. I think that's a lock that's in a my lock. mind. That's a lock. I should clarify. I don't consider guys like Austin Wagner, right, right, or right. or even like or even like Sean Walker or Matt Roy. Like these guys had significant playing time at the end of last season. I don't necessarily consider them as like maybes anymore. Truthfully, yeah. yeah. I think I think those guys are making the team. Grunstrom, I'll grant you, because Grunstrom didn't get as many games as those guys. But the Wagners, Matt Roy, and Sean Walker, I legitimately see making this team out of yeah. camp. I don't even think it's a question. Plague, I think, has a good shot. I think I agree with that one. I, I wonder about Turcotte. I know... <sighs> I, don't boy, th- boy. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I do... I think it's... I, I don't know what his... Uh, I don't know what his plans are. He might have. He's going to University of Wisconsin. So if he's committed, if he's committed to go back, then that's not even a discussion. I'm not sure. That's why I'm just. So he so he's in a tough situation because, so he's a college player, right? Yeah. And if he signs a contract to play, if he signs a contract, period, with the Kings, my understanding is he can't just signing the contract disqualifies him from NCAA play. And he's not old enough to play in the AHL, so he would have to go back and play juniors or USHL or something like that that he he can age qualify. So I think based on that, yeah, he's more than I would say he's ninety percent likely to at least play one season at University of Wisconsin, where Kale, uh, where uh, Cole Caulfield is going to be, yeah, and where Tony Granado is coaching. So I think that's a scenario that everyone's going to be pretty comfortable with for him. Yeah, I think Jared Anderson Dolan. 
I, I, that was that was the one that I was thinking of as well. Yeah, I can't really think of it. I, I don't uh, Kupari. No, see, it, you know, I'm I'm not so sure about that one. I've been hearing some really good things, especially coming out of the development camp. Basically, that Jared Anderson Dolan is well above everyone else in terms of his development, and really, where else is he going to go at this point? Yeah. But Kapari has apparently been very impressive as well in a lot of ways. Again, it's just it's really sad that Gabe Velarde is not in a situation where we can say he's going to be healthy enough because I think if he is healthy enough somehow between now and September, I think he would make it. But I think there's there's at least three, four guys that I think have a legitimate chance of making it between Jared Anderson, Dolan, Kale Clegg, maybe Kapari. I think I think it's going to be exciting kind of things to watch. Right. I, I agree. I mean, it's funny how quickly we were back here. <laughs> I, feel yeah. like, I feel like it wasn't long ago when we were like, oh, the youngsters are exciting at least. And that, right. that led to two Stanley Cups, so that didn't work out right. too bad. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, yeah, no, it is exciting. I, I commend the Kings on what they've done in such a short period of time. But other than, outside of these picks, the, the, the sheer number of college players they've right. signed. right. Cal Peterson alone is just if you, if that was the only one they signed, yeah, is still outstanding for that position. So exciting times ahead. We hope this season might hurt, but the future looks bright. Um, Vardy, this is episode forty-two. Oh, I almost forgot. No, you didn't. Don't lie. Nah, I didn't. <laughs> so let's play the game. Let's play the game that's setting which the world has on no fire. Name. <laughs> All the kids are talking about it. Guess those players. <laughs> with the number. <laughs> Who's played for the – we'll come up with someone catchier. We'll come up with someone much catchier than that. But, yes, there are six players, my friend, who have ever worn the number 42 for the Kings. I feel and good about I'm, this one. I feel good about this one. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you're going to get all six of them. Uh, don't think so. Don't I, think so. I have faith in you. Okay. I have faith. <laughs> okay. I, this is – I know you feel like the 40s are, as you so elo- eloquently call them, the stupid numbers. They're pretty stupid. <laughs> but there's there's six guys who have worn this. Okay. 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 I'm going to, I think. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm almost 100% sure you're going to get five out of six. There's five. one guy that I'm not sure you're about, but you've surprised me before. I think you'll do it again. Okay. The first guy to ever wear the number 42 was in 1989. Yeah. <sighs> I don't think I'm going to get that one, man. I, okay. I really don't. Let me right, let so me tell you the ones I do know. Okay, have, let's have go with that. that. Um, right off the bat, first one that jumped and punched me right in the mouth, Disco Dan Bilesma. Bingo. 96-2000, Disco Dan rocking the number 42 in honor of James Worthy. Well-respected coach, author. Um, Glasses. Is, does he have a job right now? Probably. He's somewhere. He up on tv every now and then disco dan Wasn't he is coaching one. like the men's u.s hot world championship teams or maybe, something like that maybe sounds like right, something cool. yeah dan would, like dan would do cool um that's one mm-hmm. the other one who i cannot forget because of the on our very first episode episode one of some Lakers, we talked about the big splash page of free agents tom pricing uh Number 42. The price is right. The price is right on that one. Um, there's one other one that I remember. Mm-hmm. Because of 
my boy, the real big art, who's probably been listening to this, uh, Miko Eloranta. Killing it. Three for three. <laughs> I can't forget Miko Eloranta. Um, 2002 to 2003. Yeah, good little the Miko Eloranta era. Good little Finnish player. Did he ever play for any other team? I think he played. I gotta maybe look this up, for man. Dallas? Where am I? Boston. Boston. There you go. Boston. Because he right. was he not in the Allison trade? You know, that's a good question. I, think I have he to was. look at that. You probably remember better than I do, but yeah, I think that's he was. possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they. It has to be because he came over in 2001, 2002. So I can't imagine any other reason why we would get Mikael Aranta from the Boston Bruins. Allison and Aranta came together. Yeah. There you I go. That's what you, I thought that's what you were saying. I thought he, I He's, thought he might have gone the other way. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So, he, so yeah. they came together. So I was Jason, – Yeah, he came with Jason Allison right. for Joseph Stumble and Glenn Murray. There you go. There you go. Little King's history for you, folks. Um, cool. I do remember one more. <laughs> okay. Um, and that is the man that helped us bring Jack Johnson to Los Angeles, Timmy Gleason. Timmy G. Another guy we were really excited for when we got him from uh, from Ottawa. Oh, yeah. You know what I was really correctly. excited when we got Jack Johnson from him? <laughs> man. That was a great trade that didn't That was out. a great trade. Well, it turned out it really good. great because of who we eventually got. Right. For Jack Johnson. Okay, so uh, so now work. so now I'm stuck after this. So I'm not gonna get the '89 guy. I'm sorry, because I already know it's not a significant player. Okay, fair. So you can give me that one. I'll let you, I'll let you try to get the other one, and then I'll save '89 in case the inspiration strikes you. Okay, so this one's kind of hard, man. Um, I need the years on this guy. This is the only reason why I think you will get this. 1994. Ooh. Is that the only season he played? Yes. Okay. Now, he played several years in the NHL. He had seven years in the NHL. So, I just want to clarify. The only reason you think I'll get this is because it was 1994? Correct. Okay. Because you just have this uncanny... Memory when it comes to 92, 93, 93, basically the years right up until Gretzky got traded. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm drawing blanks, man. All right. I'm drawing blanks. Dominic Lavoie. Oh, I've even used his name before in the guessing game. That's what game. I'm saying. Oh, man. I didn't – yeah, I didn't remember his number. Although yeah. he, he did have a game where he scored a hat trick and we all thought – this is you know, next, it's, it's really day. funny. It's really funny because he had eight games played for the Kings and had six points in those eight games and then never played in the NHL again. Wow. That was it. That was it. Yeah. So I'm not going to – so I'm going to get end up getting four out of six, which is okay. I'll take it. All right. All right. And then the last one I is uh, Steve Richmond from 1989. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not happening. Nine games, Sorry, two points. There you go. And that was all she wrote for Steve <laughs> Richmond. Happy trails. Happy trails. But, but in my mind, in my mind, this episode belongs to the one and the only Miko Eloranta. Miko Eloranta. This is Miko Eloranta's episode. We thank you for coming here with Jason Allison. Yes. <laughs> 
thank you for, I don't know, playing poker with Jason Allison on the plane flight over from Boston, yes. whatever it was that you did. Yes. We appreciate it very much. Uh, hope you enjoy Finland, I'm assuming. Yes, he is where Finnish. Yeah, so he's probably in Finland somewhere now, just finning it up. That's right. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's that's a nice little bookend to this chat. That is, guys. Thank you for joining us, as always. That's right. Next one will probably be in a couple weeks yes. after free agency opens. And again, Sleepy times. maybe we'll have a very exciting Ben Hutton signing to tell you all about. Very excited about the possibility of signing Ben Hutton. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys, for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at the Bannerman Pod. Email us, uh, bannermanpod at gmail.com. Subscribe to us. Leave us reviews guys come on now it's yeah. been a while since we got a good review tell us we suck or that's a fine. bad review for that matter that's fine come on i'm okay with it i'm not crying you're crying get involved. i don't cry i work out get involved see you guys next time you've been listening to the bannerman an la kings podcast